Hey everyone, my name's Philippa and it's so great to be with you again today. Now I strongly believe that there are only two types of people in this world. I know, that's shocking to hear, only two, but I have done extensive research into this and I feel as if it's time for me to share my findings with you all. When you go out to eat at a restaurant with a group of people, your family or friends or whatever, and everyone sits down, settles in, they're given a menu, they're the first type of people. These are the people who barely even seem to scan the page before they slam the menu shut, bang it on the table, and start looking around for the waiter. Now, if that's you, you people baffle and astound me, quite frankly. And this is a point of tension, shall we say, in our marriage, because I could look at the menu for a good half an hour, most likely having already looked at it online before I came, and still be utterly undecided. Simon will now just call the waitress over, even if I say I'm not ready, because he knows it'll force me to make a decision. At best, I might have it down to two options, and I'll say, come to me last, and then I'll most likely choose the third curveball option when it comes to my turn to decide because something on the next table looked good. Every one of us knows that when we have different ideas, methods or perspectives on seemingly small things, they can quickly become big things and start to provide a point of tension. Whether it's with a housemate who has a different idea about when to do the washing up or a neighbour who differs on acceptable noise levels, or a family member who won't put their shoes away in the cupboard. That's me again, by the way. These differences of mind suddenly become things that start to eat away at our relationships with one another. And in our reading from Philippians today, Paul is urging the Philippian church to act a different way. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Before we start, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, would you unite us in your word as we hear from you? Holy Spirit, would you empower us to be changed people by your word? Amen. So first, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening as Paul writes this letter from prison to the church in Philippi. You might remember from our Fuel series that this is the church which was born when Paul was fueled to listen to the Spirit and follow his lead, ending up in Macedonia, where Philippi was, and speaking to Lydia, who encountered Jesus, and her whole, her whole household was the beginning of a new group of Jesus followers. And Philippi was a really interesting place. It was a Roman colony, so it was an important city in ancient Macedonia, and it was actually full of retired soldiers. It was a strongly patriotic place where the citizens were proud to be Roman. So it could be a pretty tense place to be announcing that Jesus is the true king. And the Christians there were known to face persecution. So the point of this letter from Paul is to encourage the Philippians that the God who began a good work in them when he was there will keep on developing and growing them in their love for each other and for God. And this is the kind of love he's urging for them to have for one another, as we've just heard in our reading. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He wants to see the Philippians look to the interests of others to prefer one another. So, first thing. How on earth can we all get to be of one mind? Is Paul asking something of the Philippian church, of us, that is just unreasonable? We live in a culture which places personal truth, personal opinion on a high pedestal. And that means we're used to living amongst others who think differently to us in every way you can imagine. When I said before that there are two types of people, we know really, don't we, that with everything we encounter in life, whether it's parenting, uh, work, exercise, food, where you live, how you dress, there is a spectrum of beliefs about all of these things. And we know too, don't we, that that's the case in the church. There's a huge spectrum of beliefs about how to worship, how to dress, who can lead, what it sounds, tastes and even smells like, it's all up for grabs there too. So when Paul is urging the church in Philippi to be like-minded, to have the same love, to be one in spirit and of one mind, how is that even possible? 
And is it something we even want? I know for me that my mind is something which changes, swinging back and forth on issues. Just as I feel like I've made a decision, something else comes along which needs to be reconsidered. Just like when I'm in that restaurant and I'm about to order my burger when someone next to me orders a steak. Our minds are never as made up as we think they are. So what Paul's talking about here isn't having a doctrine or a statement of faith that we all study and sign up to. He's talking about having the same mindset as Christ. When we need a consistent mind to unite us in love, to bring us together in one spirit, it's Jesus we can look to. To understand a little bit more about where Paul is coming from, it it might help us to flip back to chapter one in Philippians, where Paul, writing from prison, and potentially facing execution, says this. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul's perspective is that to die and be with Christ's presence would be the easier option. And that staying alive is for the sake of other people to see the advancement of the gospel and the building of the church. So when we read Paul encouraging us to have the same mindset as Jesus, that's what he's talking about, that's what he means. To live our lives so sacrificially, so humbly, so interested in the interests of others first, that we would be united in our Christ-likeness. And this is how Paul describes Christ's humility in that amazing poem we heard in our reading. So have the mindset, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Christ, who is fully equal to God, who is God, did the exact opposite of what Adam did in creation, of what men and women have spent their lives doing, trying to seize godly power, to become like God, to have the knowledge and power of God. Christ didn't take advantage of the power he had access to for his own gain, but instead humbled himself, emptied himself, taking on the nature of a servant and giving himself up to a humiliating death all for the sake of us. In every way, Christ preferred us. He looked to our innermost needs and preferred them above his own, even to the point of death. So when Paul is writing to the Philippians about unity, about having one mind and the same love, he is talking about this other preferring mindset of Christ. And 
This is what it really means to be united. This is what it really means to be the family of God, to be the church, to be a group of people who look nothing alike in many ways, but who put their interests, ambitions and desires aside for the sake of the others. You know, I'm so, so challenged by this call to prefer the other. But I'm also so excited for this mandate that God has given us to be a family on a new journey together, trying to follow God as he speaks to us and leads us. And whatever kind of family setup you grew up in or maybe you have now, you will know that this is the sort of thing that happens in a family. At our wedding, Simon's great auntie Joan was very excited for the day and despite being very attached to her very large mobility scooter or her wheelie walker, as she liked to call it, insisted that she needed to be in the best position possible to see her great nephew get married. Simon's lovely dad, Trevor, spent much of the day negotiating with Auntie Joan about her wheelie walker. And Auntie Joan didn't see why it was at all unreasonable to park it directly at the end of the aisle tripping up the photographer as we were trying to come out, or why it was a problem to get what ended up being four grown men to carry it up the two flights of stairs at the reception venue. Trevor even admits to drawing the line at allowing her to pull it up to the table to eat. Bless her, Auntie Joan sadly died a few years ago and we really miss the character that she was in our family. And I'm sure many of us will have similar stories but the reason why we try to bear with each other in a family is for the sake of unity. We try as best we can to put our own comfort and preferences aside for the sake of including other people, of drawing them in and making sure they can see what's going on. Sometimes it looks ugly and trips people up and it's heavy and inconvenient but at the end of the night, when Auntie Joan went around hugging us all and telling us how much she'd enjoyed herself, it was worth it. Well, maybe ask Simon's dad about that. But and in the church, preferring one another as we seek to have the mindset of Christ is definitely worth it. As we strive for unity, as we strive to be in one mind, the mindset of Christ together, I would love it in this moment if we could declare together our united faith by saying an affirmation together. Uh, so you might want to stand up where you are or get comfortable or move around or whatever feels good to you for this moment. And let's say these words together as a declaration and as a prayer that we might prefer one another as God leads us on this journey together with him. We believe in God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We believe in God the Son, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with his love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us with power from on high. 
We believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.